Welcome back to Pop Culture Failure, where we watch a thing from our youth and see how it stands up. I'm Sky. I'm Jake. And today we have another guest. Uh, we have the one of the hosts of the Axelon Archives, James. What up, James? Hello. Hello. Welcome to our our, our guest of Palooza. Yeah. Yeah. Good to- you are our second returning guest. Thanks very much for coming on. Good to be back. Uh, what's the name of this episode? That's a great question that I don't know the answer to. It is called The Escape. It's the escape, is what oh. I hear. Rumor has it. <laughs> That's what it says. Um, I have one I job on the show, and it's, it's <laughs> to know the name of the episodes. <laughs> and provide color commentary. Oh, yeah, there's that. Uh, so, for those of us who haven't watched it, it's the oatmeal episode. Yep, that's why I picked it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into that in a minute. But, uh, James, mm-hmm. what is your history with the Animorphs? Okay, I, let's see, I, uh, they started, when did these books start coming out? Like, I think 96? That sounds right. I was in fifth grade. I yeah. know that, but I don't remember what year that was. Okay, I think I'm like like one or two years older than you. So this is part. So I remember that, discovering that through the book fair, and it sounded really cool. And then I remember getting into it, and like, it was a lot heavier than I thought. You'd have like your light moments, like the Area 51, <laughs> kind of the oatmeal <laughs> one, but then new things. Mm-hmm. And I think I remember... I forget which I, book I stopped at, but I definitely remember it might have been the end of the David trilogy. Oh. I remember getting that and just like, it kind of shook me and just like, I need to take a break from these books. And by that <laughs> point, I was also getting older and it was a little hard to go back in and re, uh, read all those children books when I was in uh, middle school and high school at that point. So I, I, I may have gotten like one or two books further. I was following along with Morph Club cast. And I think I remember the exact point where it was like, I'm pretty certain I didn't read this book. <laughs> but I can't remember it off the top of my head. Yeah, I I, I can see you tapping out after David because a, a lot of stuff mm-hmm. happened in that one. Am yeah. I the only person who was unaffected by that? Is that why I am the way I am? Or am I am, <laughs> was I unaffected because I am the way I am? I don't know. It could be a column A, column B thing. Because everyone is like, whoa, fuck that guy. Fuck this trilogy. This is nuts. And I was just like, all right, that happened. Let's go to the dinosaur one again. <laughs> I mean, it's not It's not that it's bad. It's very intense. And no, like, yeah, it's, it's not bad. I mean, I don't re- recall thinking that it was bad. I just didn't. It didn't have a profound effect on me like it, it did uh, you or Sky or Alan. Yeah, I have a very visceral hate for David still. Mm-hmm. And I have no opinion. And it's so weird. Uh, this was such mm. a, an important thing to me so it's, yeah. l- it's like me whenever i tell you how i didn't really care for the last star war well i'll kill you <laughs> yeah it's that <laughs> it's that but with animorphs uh so did you have a favorite of the animorphs uh let's see i want to i want to say marco i tend to get to the more smart aleck characters even though it was a very quiet child and not really a smart aleck <laughs> until like college where i was like more comfortable like hanging around and like saying that like making comments around people sure no one ever says tobias <laughs> no one yet has said tobias no one will i i think tobias is, is a good character i don't not really in this <laughs> oh no he's terrible in this because <laughs> like the idea of like him like stuck in a hawk and like the angst of that works much better in like the written written word than it is when you have to have like a live hawk or perhaps a hawk puppet around yeah not to give too much away yeah, because especially with the books, you get his inner monologue, and right. with this, you—that's—he's just doing thought speak to tell you exactly what he feels. He's also not wearing leather shoes in the <laughs> in the books. Yeah. Also, the books I think and the show they explicitly say like, "Oh, this is the new kid." Where I yeah. think in like the books, he's implied to be around. So like, 
like Jake all Jake knew him but never really but like and knew he had issues but they didn't weren't really friends until they were like thrust into this situation if I remember the books correctly yeah the deal is he his parents were gone so he was shuffled back and forth between his aunt and his uncle who didn't like mm-hmm. him so he was not always at that school but he wasn't new to the school right did you ever finish the series uh no i haven't i ha- didn't look at the end i think i remember looking at wikipedia and it mentioned that Visser 3 gets put on trial by the UN, and I'm just like, wait, what? <laughs> At that point, he's Visser 1, but yeah. <laughs> Towards the end of the series, the you know he gets promoted, so you keep reading about Visser 1 thinking it's Marco's mom. You're like, oh, no, yeah. no, 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 it's Visser 3. He's just new. He's got a new name now. Yeah, yeah. one of my regrets is when they covered it in Morph classes that I never read the, the Visser book, since that wow. sounds wild, since it's <laughs> based around like if the secret history of Visser 1 plus a trial, plus, like, multiple, like, terrorist insurgent groups and interrupting the trial. It's the most Phoenix Wright thing I've ever heard of. I don't think I read that one now that you've explained it. (laughs) It's been a bit. I think I only read it once. I know exactly where my copy is, so I could probably break it out and knock it out in in an afternoon. Because that font size is real big. Well, what are you doing tomorrow? I don't know. Probably reading that Reading that. Or maybe editing this podcast. We'll see. I didn't read... I didn't read... I read Megamorphs 1... Dinosaur, dinosaur one. I remember oh, reading Andalite Chronicles. Since yeah. that is like really actually like a good science fiction book. Like it's like it's I, I mean, it's still good. youth, but like it does like do a lot of things that you can almost read that independently anymore. I did not read like the Horkwajir uh, Hork Chronicles. That but, one's more about genocide than any of them. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a little upsetting. What's the mm-hmm. first Megamorphs? You're right. The second one's dinosaurs. Yeah. First the Megamorph first was the blue one. Was the tornado made out of bugs that ate uh, stuff? And okay. Rachel gets amnesia because yeah, she had her head as an eagle. It's not very good. <laughs> it's plenty ridiculous. Yeah, um, like, the, I think the best part is when Marco drives a car as a gorilla. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I remember that vaguely. <laughs> yeah, and then Cassie smushes the, the bad guy as a whale. Yeah. Weird. Uh, don't worry, we will never see anything like that in this series. They can't no, that would require a budget. <laughs> they had a budget, sort of, for this episode. Mm. Did, did they? Oh. Well, they, they were spent able to it buy on a lot of oatmeal. Right, you're right. Actually, a lot of it doesn't look like oatmeal. <laughs> no, it doesn't. No. Also, a lot of ferret rentals. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe just one ferret. It's hard to say. But I think I ran through all the normal questions. Uh, do you guys just want to hop in this? No. Well, we're gonna anyway. Okay. <laughs> so. We open on an old-timey fan. Yeah. And a malt shop. <laughs> we're... <laughs> it's true. And this woman is wearing a uniform from the 50s. So uh, until you get to the teenagers that we know, you're not sure what year it is. It seemed yeah. as though we were back to the future in it. But we're we're in present 90s time. Yeah. But uh, Rachel and Marco have gone out on a date with Axe. Mm-hmm. I guess they're they're giving him getting him a, a malt or a milkshake or something. Yeah, sadly not and a cinnamon bun. <laughs> and they're plotting to sneak into a Planet Hollywood opening to see which, Arnold. <laughs> which, well, while the setting makes it seem like the distant past, this makes it seem like the more recent past. The, the talk of the Planet Hollywood. Yeah, I, I marked that it was the most '90s thing about this show, but then something else happened, which we'll get to when we get there. X gets we see our first interaction with axe and food mm-hmm. and he starts uh eating his milkshake but he does it in a pretty normal person way which is well, a little for, surprising for now well he takes a cue from a guy at the counter who seems to be going through withdrawal 
to say the least. Uh, but he's sweat. He's got flop sweat, and he's got like six bowls that are empty. That's a. I feel like the waitress should have cleared the bowls, but whatever. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and he orders more instant maple oatmeal, and she says, "We don't have any more. You ate our last packet." Which, if you're a good restaurant, you're not making oatmeal out of packets. You're making it from scratch. Yeah. This restaurant sucks. Well, he also ate, like, six bowls. Mm-hmm. And it's the gross, specific flavor. Yeah. They they left out the ginger portion, but... Uh, but, mm-hmm. but we could, uh, Because that's not a thing? Well, not anymore. The, the Animorphs stopped it. Oh. But, <laughs> but the guy gets visibly upset when she says, We don't have any more? Mm-hmm. You ate six bowls. And then Ak, she, he starts, like, scrounging whatever's left in the bowls, and he's looking them clean, and Axe notices that and starts using his hands to eat his milkshake. Yeah. And as it progresses, the guy gets more and more, uh, what's the word? Agitated. Agitated. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, he goes over to, like, some of the other diners and, like, tries to see if they have oatmeal. Yeah. And then two police officers mm. who look more like rent-a-cops come over. I think they're bobbies, because they don't seem to have a gun. <laughs> So they they come over to see if they can help at all, and he starts clawing at his ear and collapses to the ground, and he's got oatmeal over his face, and it's real, real gross. Yeah, I I remember watching this and like, like oh, this is going to be dumb, but like this opening part is like super creepy. Like the behavior, <laughs> I I it reminds me of like a specific sign like movie. I remember seeing a scene like someone is obsessed with getting like a specific food, and like they get more agitated and like kind of turn monstrous. I can't remember what thing it was. Like, the other thing I thought of was, like, reminding me of, like, Men in Black, where you have, like, the alien in, like, the human skin suit that sugar. wants the sugar water. Sugar. Like, the... I sugar didn't look up who the water. actor is of that, but he seems like a pretty good, like, character actor. He's, like, big bags under his eyes. Like, yeah. kind of really Wait, sells in it. this... In this or Men in Black? What are we talking about? No, no, no. Because that's Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah. No, no, no. I only just learned that that was Vincent D'Onofrio like, <laughs> in the last month. And I was really excited and I've told everyone who will listen. Yeah. It, it, it is what? not Vincent D'Onofrio in this show, though. No, not in this. <laughs> no, unfortunately. How great would it be, though? They, they see this man who's clearly unstable. He's got some sort of... Uh, Something's wrong. Problem. I can't think of the the, the problem the, is the, the problem. The PC way to say it. Yeah, he's got some sort of mental thing happening. Yeah, it's uh, gonna get real dodgy when they go to the uh, hospital to look at it. It is not great. Um, and Rachel does the narration, and she immediately knows that this guy is a yerk, uh, and he's mm. suffering or something simply because he touched his ear. You mm-hmm. also forgot to mention that to add tension, they show slow motion of the fan quite <laughs> frequently. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and his, his slow motion freak out, which gives you more time to look at all the oatmeal on his face. It feels very Twilight Zone. Also, the other thing that was kind of weird is, like, I noted, like, the waitress's accent. Like, I think someone forgot to tell her to do an American accent, or she couldn't, because it was kind of <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> She's from everywhere and nowhere. <laughs> She's seen some shit. <laughs> As all good waitresses have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Her name was definitely Lorraine or something. I didn't yeah. see it, but I'm just assuming. That seems fair. She's got that mystique. We cut to credits. Mm-hmm. But uh, when we get back from credits, we're in the barn, and nobody's helping Cassie do anything while she goes well, about her chores. It's her yeah. job. <laughs> True. But they're all there. And then Rachel comes in with Tobias, mm. who is just a, a bird who doesn't want to be carried around. No, that hawk so does not looks like it doesn't want to be there. <laughs> he uh, wants to be there less than Wesley Snipes on the set of Blade <laughs> 3. <laughs> Ouch. How dare you impugn the integrity of that hawk. <laughs> Sorry. Mm. 
He's also real high. <laughs> so Rachel walks in and she knows who the guy who freaked out is. Uh, mm-hmm. Apparently her mom, who's a lawyer, uh, has him as a client for some sort of thing. Uh, family uh, as a client. Like they want to commit him to a mental institution because he keeps talking about like how he's got a thing in his head. He sounds crazy. Yeah. At this uh, point, it's pretty close to the book that it's based on, which I don't think it's called The Escape. I don't think so either. No, they, they just, they wrote them all down and drew the names out of a hat. As they <laughs> yeah. Went. I think there is one that's called The Escape. This is not it. Yeah. It there, makes it extra confusing. There's only, only so many titles you can make with the, the, uh, word. I don't think formula. that's true. Well, I mean, and make them make sense. Mm. I mean, you can't mm. have, like, the box of crayons mm. and have it be an Animorph title. I guess so. But, um, The oatmeal ha- disaster. Mm. <laughs> That's a way better title for this episode. See. Okay. Um, it, the book was called The Underground. That makes much more sense. On account of they go underground. And yeah. a lot of the book is focused on Rachel's problem with being, you know, buried alive. Mm-hmm. They're hatching a plan. Uh, to go I- and talk to this guy who had his minor freakout. Um, they've they found the facility where he's been uh, forced into, and Jake decides that only two of them are going mm-hmm. because reasons. Yeah, Tobias is going to be there for backup. He's been so reliable lately. Yeah, well, <laughs> again, something that made much more sense in the book where they had like Tobias be really confident because they didn't have to like figure out what to do with a hawk, a real life hawk. <laughs> yep. It's almost as though this would be better if it was a cartoon. So we go to the MHU somewhere, and I don't like this. No, I don't. I don't care for their portrayal at all. Yeah. Um. So I worked at a couple of different hospitals, and and it's uh, exactly like this. It is <laughs> nothing at all like this. Mm-hmm. We don't see how Rachel and Marco got into the uh, the, the the psych ward. Um, yeah, but, I mean, just have a pair of scrubs for no explained reason. It's it's uh-huh. weird. There's a lot of situations where you think they would morph to sneak in someplace, and they don't. Yeah, because here's the here's the thing. Um, they can't have windows that open, so they didn't sneak in that way. Uh-huh. And you need identification. I guess they are wearing identification cards, uh, but you need those to get in also. Mm-hmm. So it's presumed they got in there, knocked a couple guys out, and took their clothes? That's what I would have to assume. I always wanted to do that. I think that's what they do in the book, but it's been a while since I've like read a summary, and I'm not looking that up as live as we do this. <laughs> they, probably, they probably would have morphed those people as well, right? Well, not in the book. In the book, they had a problem with morphing people without oh, their consent. Right, right. In, the, in the show, yes. Marco already tried to morph that one guy. But he's allergic? I think I made that up. I, I mean, they, something they never addressed it because he said it hurt. <laughs> yeah, the show, the books explicitly try to avoid go to doing human morphs because, for one thing, it'd be it would solve two things too easily, but also create a lot of ethical questions. <laughs> like yeah, if yeah. you like if you morph like like anyone who morphs into a human is like Axe is morphed into a merge rune, so like theoretically a new one. But if like say like you know Jake morphed into like Tom, is he becoming Tom? I like. Like, is he, did he create another person? Is it just a shell? I think maybe in, like, some of the later books they do it because, like, everything's on the table at that point. But I don't remember it in, in the happening in the books I read. Except for, like, I think Axe does a couple times. Like, I think he impersonates a couple of humans. 
but it, yeah, he impersonates Cassie, Jake. I know. Oh, yeah, I, da- that's right, David. No, I think I'm. Yeah, he impersonates Jake, and I remember like David impersonates uh, Rachel's. Or, or, no, and their cousin. Yeah, the cousin. They, he does Marco also because okay. he smashes his axe in the face with a bat mm. uh, as Marco. Um, they also in that plan they were going to morph some of the Secret Service mm. uh, because uh, the oh, thing that was happening there. Yeah. We're getting kind of deep in the weeds, but Sorry. yeah, <laughs> no, that's because we don't want to talk about how uncomfortable this scene is, to be honest. Yeah, or how freaking buff Marco's arm looks and where this guy has stopped this. <laughs> that's what yeah. I'm thinking about. So the first thing we see when we come into the MHU is there is a gentleman wearing like a like a old school leatherheads hat, mm-hmm. like and he's yep. pretending to be a plane. Yep, he's doing circles and stuff, and mm-hmm. that. Well, Sky, how would you know they were in an insane asylum if not for the insane people? It's not an insane asylum. It's um, a hospice. The MHU at a hospital. No. If this was real life, it would be. But because it's this show, it's an insane asylum. Yeah. That's All you were missing was, like, thundering and, like, behind the gate that said Arkham yeah. Asylum or something. <laughs> yeah. So, Rachel and Marco walk out of some closet or whatever, wherever they stashed the bodies. Yeah. And they've... Uh, They've got the full getup on. They've got masks on also, which is not a thing doctors do unless they have a cold. Unless it's an insane asylum and they're performing lobotomies. (laughs) Why why would you? Because, like, that's scary. So you wouldn't want to do that on the MHU. But, you know, whatever. Mm. It's the show. Yep. But they find uh, the guy they're looking for. Egerton? What is his name? Uh, Edelman. Edelman. They find his room and they go in, uh, and he's just pensively looking out the window. We have questions for you. It's like you're not my doctors. Yes, <laughs> aren't you? you basically... are like twelve years old. Yeah, <laughs> they're pretty obviously children. If you're going to be children pretending to be an adult, stand on each other's shoulders. It'd be weird. <laughs> Get it, a lab coat. It'd it's be weird. Like ninety percent of like like uh, uh, kids shows like have like like. You know, obviously people in their 20s pretending to be kids. And this is like the one time if they did that, <laughs> then the situation would be more convincing. <laughs> but nope. Oh, jeez. So they ask him to tell them his story. He's like, you are going to laugh at me. I'm not actually insane. Uh, they're like, well, we won't laugh. Tell us. Mm-hmm. Well, ugh, whatever. And he starts talking about Yerks. They're like, well, if the Yerk is in control, how come you're, you know... Okay. Well, the oatmeal made it go insane. So I have control sometimes. The scene goes on for much longer than our description of it. But... Yeah. Again, like it's uh, uh, like it's actually kind of a good scene with him just like being very somber. Like he is aware of his situation. He knows like he he sounds he's aware that he sounds crazy and like no one's going to believe and he's kind of resigned to his fate. And he also mentions like yeah, like it's crazy and it uh he also kind of like like mentions and I'm kind of surprised. I thought that came up a lot earlier in the books but then again it's the show where they established that yurks can only like need to get like the drone arrays and they uh, every three days because it ate the oatmeal it doesn't need the rays but it just made it you know just insatiably hungry for it yeah like they don't explicitly say the oatmeal you know prevents them from needing the cadrona mm-hmm. but they you know have the psychological breakdown um it's just kind of implied heavily here uh, and also, so they're like, where is the Yerk pool? It's like, and you guys were there, mm-hmm. like, twice so far. You know where it is. Well, unless, because they shut the door, they shut that door off, maybe they think that he'll tell them how to get to it? 
that, maybe. But, like, you have an idea. <laughs> you can it, figure it out from there. Yeah, it's probably worth noting that uh, the book that's based on uh, The Underground is the 17th book, so... <laughs> they kind of skipped ahead in adapting, which honestly kind of explains some stuff. Yeah, well, yeah, a little bit. But there were too I... many that went to space and had too big of animals. Yes. <laughs> You're not wrong. It's true. I, I will say this for this gentleman's situation, Edelman. I will say this for his uh, situation. It sounds like a living nightmare to have voices in your head, let alone... Uh, a yerk who's just hanging out there screaming into your brain yeah. all the time. Right. If this wasn't a children's show, he would have just killed himself. Yes. Because yeah. that's what happened in the book. He tried to kill himself. Oh, did it? Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Good job, everyone. Yeah. Um, instead, uh, there's a brief moment where Edelman has what looks like a minor seizure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're like, sometimes I can't control it. And I had in the, this, this, these spasms. Mm-hmm. In the mental health industry, we call that a fit. He had a fit. <laughs> Is that right? I mean, the mental health industry in 1939, <laughs> <laughs> which is where this is based. Yes, uh, that's true. That the, the di- this segment of town is ba- is back in time in 1930. <laughs> it's in the it's, same part of town as the old timey diner. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's why it's an insane asylum. That's right. Yeah. It's like when you have two hospitals and there's a, the good hospital um. and the bad hospital in town. <laughs> this is where you go if you don't have insurance. <laughs> They're right across the river from each other. So, um, they, apparently, the controllers have a way of getting a yerk out of the head of, uh, mm. of a controller, and it's a thermos? Yes. Or yeah. they have the spare yerk in the thermos. I think I'm not the sure spare yerk works. is in the thermos. Yeah, because okay. they, like, pull it out with tweezers. You don't get to see it, of course, but, yeah, they, they... Yeah, Rachel and Marco dip out of the room. It's just a thermos. As, just, in just enough time... For two controllers to walk in mm-hmm. and dramatically, uh, you know, reinfest him with a different yerk. Yeah, I'm pretty certain maybe, that's the Maybe the new yerk is going to push the old yerk out? I assume that's how it is. It's like when you eat and then you have to poop immediately. Yeah, the whole time he's like screaming, <laughs> like, don't put it in, in me again. Just like, again, this first part is, if you kind of like take it on your own, it, it seems like you could have like a full on like Twilight Zone episode in like... I think, like, feels like, oh, wow, yeah, if it was more like this, this show could work. But, uh, unfortunately, yeah. that's not where this episode's gonna end. Yeah, the, the beginning, uh, t- uh, you know, the first ten minutes feels like an anxiety dream I had. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the rest is just nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> like a regular dream I had. Because then we cut to what I wrote is, like, Tom, Tom's Burgers, question mark? Is it owned by the actual Tom? <laughs> <laughs> Jake's brother as a yerk opened yeah. his soda stand. And then, and then follow, my next notes are, oh no, it's Visser 3. Oh no, it's a Horkvishir. Because, oh. Yeah. oh no, this is where suddenly we went from like, oh, they're working within the budget to, oops, budget's gone. No. Yeah. V3 is in this burger shack. And it's V3 uh, and a light, only... just to be clear. <laughs> yeah. And he is never shot in a way where you can see the end, like the horse part of him. So, they have rem- they have a hork bajir there, and they removed its yerk. And then the scientist guy from before who couldn't figure out the disc is there. Mm-hmm. Apparently, he got a new project without finishing the yeah. gold. That's fine. That's they only have one works. scientist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they got one guy on yeah. payroll who they haven't murdered yet. Mm-hmm. And the hork bajir is not. I get it must have been a volunteer because it isn't putting up no fight whatsoever. It does exactly what they say, even though there's no yerk in it. 
and scientist guy runs a scan on it and then we see something that's very phallic uh mm-hmm. and then the gleet biofilter kicks on and just d- disintegrates the hork Bajir. yeah what it seems like a terrible waste of a of a body for the here yeah that that also seems weird just like once i realized like wait the hork Bajir didn't have a york like they're willingly controlled. They didn't have it restrained or anything. Why didn't it fight? It seems... Yeah. It's made of blades and anger. Mm-hmm. Just make your way out, man. Uh, but apparently that's what was supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. They were working on these biofilters mm-hmm. to, you know, prevent Andalites from getting into their... What's the word I'm looking for? Your House? Pools. Yeah. Oh. You know, and uh, V3 tells him that, uh, yeah, we'll make one more test. And then Edelman walks in. Yeah. Now under your control... Just kind of creepy. And looking nice and c- yeah. cleaned up. He's got a nice crisp suit on. It, fit, it doesn't fit him quite well enough. But... It was the 90s. That's how yeah. suits fit. Right. I think that's also the last time he appears in this episode, which is, seems like them kind of <laughs> dropping the ball. The ball. Well, it goes off the rails pretty hard. Yeah. In just a couple of minutes. So, but uh, the filter did not melt him. So they clearly work. Mm-hmm. So they're going to install them at every entrance to the pool. Yes. So we cut back to the barn. Most of them are in the loft part, still watching Cassie do chores yeah. and not offering to help. Yeah, as they, uh, it's... as they, as I put, they discuss the ethics of chemical weapons, which <laughs> yeah. is uh, surprisingly relevant to us in a class we're recording. <laughs> not to get too real. I'm watching this for an escape, James. What are you doing, man? Mm-hmm. <laughs> in fact, you're watching but... an episode called The Escape. How cool? How cool? Yeah. <laughs> how about that? But uh, Marco and Rachel go over what they experienced and, you know, what they've found out. And Axe points out that this isn't going to destroy the Yerks. It's just going to annihilate their mental capacities, mm-hmm. which doesn't sound great. But then when you think about the alternative is murdering them, that also yeah. doesn't sound great. Sky, it's friggin' war. I know. That's kind of the whole purpose of the series, but, you know, it, it, it's awkward. Yeah. And then... Jake points out that they didn't kill the slaves in the Civil War. That wasn't what they were fighting for. Yeah, which is also very awkward. It's like, I uh, I get where you're going. That, that's not really the right metaphor to describe what's going on. Yeah, it could have been written better. Mm-hmm. But it's fine. I mean, Cassie doesn't seem offended, so I guess it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they found out an entrance to the York Pool, and Rachel is staking well, out the counter. Tobias followed the van to there earlier. Oh, that's right. Oh, okay. Tobias isn't entirely useless in this episode. Yeah. Yes. It's real quick, though, because I missed it the first time we watched it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So they, they're they all in the, in the in the restaurant, and Rachel's hanging out at the counter so she can hear the code phrase. Mm-hmm. And then there's this weird back and forth that took place in the book, sure, but it's kind of awkward because as Jake and Marco are arguing about how oatmeal has never been used in a war before, they're stealing a single fry back and forth from each other. Mm-hmm. Like then, lovers do. Yeah. And then Jake... <laughs> Jake eats it, and it just seems... It, it doesn't seem sanitary, is all I'm saying. I, I like it, even though it's completely pointless. It's this weird kind of fun character of it, but, like, I, it probably worked better in, like, a better show. Yeah, it, it is a nice bit of kids being kids mm-hmm. right before they go into the York pool, yeah. but... The worst part is when Rachel comes over and tells them how to get in. They just abandon that big plate of french fries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And the code phrase is, a cheeseburger, hold the cheese. Wait, hold on. Shut the fuck up. We forgot that someone is having a birthday at this place. (laughs) That's right, someone is. 
Well, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's one person who's having a birthday for himself because there's no one at very, that table. It's very possible. But there is a birthday party happening at this sad-looking little burger shack. Tom's yeah. Burger Shack or whatever the hell yeah. it is. Yeah. The, the guy running the counter, uh, they shoot like a horror villain because Ugh. there's yeah. weird Dutch angle zoom-ins and outs. And he's got a creepy smile. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, I didn't write his dialogue, but everything he says sounds super creepy, which... I think it's probably effective for the show, although it yeah. contrasting some of the other stuff feels out of place. Yeah, tonally, this episode is super weird. Yeah. And also, they could have chosen a better mm-hmm. code phrase than cheeseburger hold the cheese. Because that sounds like something that just an asshole would order. And that you know, they're going to send some, some normal into mm-hmm. the yerk pool, and that's not good. Yeah, I forget whether that's the code phrase in, in the books. Though admittedly in the I books, believe... it's also an actual McDonald's, which I assume they could not afford right. to shoot at here. <laughs> yeah, I believe it was a hap- Happy Meal with Extra Happy. Which that actually makes much more sense, and like, it, that works for like the sharing's whole deal. Because mm-hmm. four kids go up to the counter and order one cheeseburger, hold the cheese, there and then disappear. we'll have four cheeseburgers, oh. hold the cheese. Yeah. Oh, does she? Okay. Yeah. But still, four people disappear mm-hmm. around the side and never come back. That is conspicuous, mm-hmm. guys. And his facade, like, the guy's name is Chip, and he says his name twice. It's kind of yeah. weird. Uh, his facade drops immediately once they say, hold the cheese, and his face falls, and he's just... He's just, very unsettling. Yeah. We've established that the Yerks aren't good at being people. No one's good at stuff. I mean, it again, it kind of works, but also doesn't work with the actual show. Pick a lane, again, is all I'm saying. Again, it works in like, kind of like a Twilight Zone invadient, invasion of the Botter Snatchers kind of way. But the show doesn't entirely play that all the time. So then it seems off when you have like uh, hawk puppets being thrown around. Oh, hey, the dog! <laughs> <laughs> all right, yeah, he decided it had been too long since he'd been on the podcast. <laughs> so they the, the door to the Yerk Pool, since they invent, or installed the, uh, the filter thing, they just leave that damn door open. There's nobody watching it. <laughs> They, the kids walk up to it, and they just open a door, and then there's just a stairway to hell. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, they did install the filter, so the lights come on, and Rachel's in there for a solid ten seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh, it should have only taken the two to melt her, but whatever. everybody morphed roach, and everything's fine. Yeah. Which, Ch- Chip sees those roaches and just giggles at them. <laughs> hey, hey, Chip, shouldn't you uh, have seen four kids walking down those stairs? Nope, just bugs? Huh. Wonder what happened there. Yerks are terrible at this. And then he just leaves the damn door open and goes back to the fucking counter. Yeah. What are you doing, man? Chip alone, he's trying. I guess he he was alone in that restaurant, Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. And then my next note is, back at the barn, oh god, the axe puppet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, we get a shot of axe from the chest up, or from the neck up at the very Mm. least. And he's t- explaining to them what it is. And they don't call it the Gleet biofilter like they did in the book. I if guess that's that, your the biggest word, qualm with The word Gleet episode. was too much for them. <laughs> they didn't have the budget for it. But they're all sitting around. And then he says that uh, the filter would have caused a complete molecular disintegration. And Marco says, what's that? Marco, you're, the, <laughs> you're a nerd. You play video games. You like science fiction. You know what a fucking disintegration is. But okay. Whatever. Uh, and then they hatch a plan, uh, a different way to get into mm-hmm. the, the earth pool. What's that way? Moles like the book this is based on? Nope. Ferrets. I guess You know how ferrets are famously boring animals? I mean, they do bur- do, are, burrow, but like it's usually just a small den. 
Yeah, it's they're not like straight down diggers. Right? I don't think so. No. I've never heard that. That's more of a you know of a gopher or They'll a steal mole. your socks and shit. Yeah. if you got one in your house. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. Like, I know that they're goofy little you know tube rat snakes. Yeah, I mean they're but... basically they're like related to weasels. So yeah, they do like to burrow, but like it not like straight down. And I mean, I guess it's pro- they're probably doing it because you can't rent a mole, or like they're probably imp- <laughs> effectively impossible to train. Yeah, that's probably it. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Mm-hmm. But it's not like they're super concerned with the with the animal acting on the show. Yeah. So here's their plan. In the book, it took them like five days digging with, as a mole, and here it took them like twenty five yeah, minutes. Uh, it all... seems like just Rachel does it. Yeah, it's also uh, very intense in the book. Like the whole time they're digging, like yeah. they're fighting like the the mole thing, and then like. I think there's, like, one line, oh, Rachel is claustrophobic, but they don't do anything to, like, pay off on it. Their plan, as it stands, is they have four pounds of oatmeal. Mm-hmm. They've they've made it up. They put it in fucking water balloons. <laughs> this is a Nickel- and they're going to bring it down and throw it in the pool? Yeah, because this is a Nickelodeon show from the 1990s. you got to have, like, water balloons <laughs> filled with stuff. You do need to slime someone at some point. Mm-hmm. That's fair. And they do. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so the, the the plan is to bring it the oatmeal down right. in water balloons. Uh, I, I, but, like, I don't feel like a ferret can drag a balloon with its teeth backwards Sky. down a hole. It doesn't. You go, the balloon goes first and it rolls it. Either that or they put it's it in their pocket and morph. It's super tight fit, though. Yeah. Either that or they put it in their pockets and morph since, like, they don't care and, like, oh, yeah, oh, that's true. Oh, shit, that's morph. right. Morphing is hammer space. I yeah. completely forgot. My objection is res- <laughs> resented. <laughs> I have a question. Why not dig a hole straight down and then just drop dynamite into the pool? Yeah, that would work. Yeah. I guess they don't. They have easier access to oatmeal than dynamite. Yeah, I guess Actually, so. But, but I mean, they can morph it's a and fucking steal war. Shit. You got to try a little. I mean, my so, my biggest question is when they get under in the room, Tobias is there. I'm just like, wait, yeah, <laughs> Tobias can't morph yet. Wait, how no. get if he's there, then there's a way in, and you didn't have to morph a fucking rodent and dig. Yeah. There's, there's an open window. <laughs> or he wriggled his way down that hole. Yeah. So uh, they get they get down there, and then they're handing the balloon, the oatmeal balloons to each other in like a, a chain gang style. Yeah. I don't know why or what, what's happening at all. Yeah. They also ask Tobias to keep watch, and he says... Like a hawk. Like, I'm sure someone <laughs> in the writer's room, like, high-fived each other and, like, took oh, a long Oh, absolutely they did. <laughs> and so... We're, we're... Then they're just walking around. Yeah, nobody gives a shit at all. Like, yeah. there's a hork walking on a catwalk. You see his legs walking on a catwalk. Yeah. And not a single controller <laughs> in the York pool notices these fucking five kids <laughs> with water balloons. Yeah. Also, I do well, know busy... that, that when they get ready to throw, like, Axe doesn't know what throwing is, which I get that he's an he's alien ridiculous. concept, but, like, he could, they should have said, like, like okay, just pitch it like a baseball and said, and he could have said, what's baseball? And it would have made a lot more sense. Right, because we, the, in the book, Axe has a, a, a thing in his brain, an yeah. implant of some sort, that can translate alien languages for him. Yeah. And he's been around these kids for long enough for throwing to come up at least once. There's no way... Rachel didn't throw something at Marco at some point. There's no way Axe has, like, never not thrown something. Like, even if, like, if they're, in, like, in their life. Like, I, come on, you can't imagine, like, some point with just like, oh, toss me something, just, like, throw it. And it's like, yeah, yeah. yeah was... they've got a game called a drift ball. 
I don't know if that's true or not. It is. Okay. <laughs> I, I have no idea how they play it, but they, they have a game. X, there's a, a, a book where X says he had a he was thinking about a game of drift ball, mm-hmm. so he doesn't remember all of the details about one specific alien or something. Uh-huh. Weirdly, the only thing uh, that gets noticed is Tobias, who then gets shot by a Dracon beam and... <laughs> It's, it's fucking dead. Like, yeah. That puppet just falls to the goddamn ground. It is the in a show that is defined by awful puppets. This may be one of the worst. <laughs> so their entire plan is to throw these fully sealed balloons into the yerk pool. Right. Yep. They are completely sealed. Mm. There's not like they don't even make an attempt to pop them. Mm. But the Horkbajir notices. Tobias, like you said, shit goes bad, and the flashlight <laughs> Dracon beams knock him out of the off of the rafter. Rachel screams no and runs over to his corpse, and then gets uh, knocked into the yerk pool. It gets blown into the yerk yeah. pool. Now yeah, a lady controller shoots next to her, and she gets thrown into it. And it's such a it's such a tiny pool. Uh-huh. In the book, it's it's the size of a lake, and here it's just a, yeah. like a, a tiny kitty swimming pool. But then V3 in his uh, human morph shows up. There's Andalite bandits among us. And then they just stare at the fucking Yerk pool. <laughs> yep. At, at, That's probably where they all are. Yep. Now, if you, you saw Rachel falling like, hey, are they going to do the one plot where Jake fl- fell into the Yerk pool and got a Yerk, which was like a, one of a, re- a really good book? Nope. She like says, thoughts speak, don't worry, I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I morphed lion, and you know how lions are very good at swimming and got out of the yerk pool with no one noticing a fucking lion getting out? Yeah. That's what happened. Yeah. But before that, we do actually get a genuinely good speech from Visser 3 where, like, they say, oh, if you don't get us, we'll, like, th- we have the oatmeal, we'll throw it in the pool. And he's just like, do you think I won't yeah. sacrifice a thousand yurks to take out the four <laughs> of you? It's very intense, way better, like, a much better performance than the show probably deserves. Yeah, the guy playing V3 knows what he's doing. Yeah, he's a good bad guy. Yeah, I wish I... He's excellent. Yeah, I wish I wrote down the whole speech, because, like, it was really good. I just remember the, what makes you think I won't sacrifice a thousand yurks? It's like, there's only, like, a thousand in here. That's a tiny fraction of what we have here, Mm -hmm. and there's no Andalites in this sector. Your forces are spread too thin. I'll fucking kill everybody here to kill you. But then, like... Not so much in those words, but... Yeah, but, like, as right after he says, I will, what makes you think I would sacrifice a thousand yurks, Rachel, with a burn of the center, says, how about a thousand and one? And I just wrote, sudden lion <laughs> just knocks him in the pool. <laughs> Lions are notoriously silent until they don't have to be anymore. Yeah. Lions are also famous for just, like, body-checking people, too. <laughs> it works. <laughs> And then the kids just throw the the balloons in there. Yeah. It's not going to work. You didn't contaminate anything. They need a pool skimmer, and they're you can fine. see them floating around in there. Yeah. Uh-huh. Cassie does throw one into V3's face. Yeah. And then it's the wateriest looking oatmeal I've ever yeah. seen. Yeah. Again, it's your it's your trademark Nickelodeon slime. And then there's a shootout with, well, the, the Yurks flash their flashlights at the kids who are not in Morph. And do several action of, jumps. Yeah, there's a bunch of John Woo shots where they're crisscrossing and shooting. And then a couple of Yurks run up to the lion who's just standing one place. And then they're, they choose not to use their fucking laser beam <laughs> guns at it and run away instead. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jake picks up Tobias's corpse. Yeah, I, which I wrote, uh, <laughs> there's a tragic puppet interaction. <laughs> <laughs> like... And a Hork Vizier walks over and gently touches 
Jake's face instead of cutting him in half. Which also could be referred to as another tragic <laughs> puppet interaction. That actually might be what I was referring to. But there's a lot of that in this episode. Yeah. Uh, Marco throws a oatmeal balloon into the side of its face and then everybody runs away. I guess Jake tucked Tobias's corpse into his pocket. Yeah. Uh, uh, don't forget, Marco they... has, like, again, the one line of the century, yes, nothing but Hork. And I think that actually yeah. might be the most 90s moment in this show. <laughs> Could be. So, uh, uh, the kids morph ferret and escape through the hole they yeah. dug. Um, and, you know, that's pretty much it. Rachel does some closing narration. How Professor 3 is ruthless and he's going to kill them. And, and certainly definitely knows they're a human at this point. How could he not? <laughs> I mean... Uh, okay, maybe the first time around, maybe there aren't cameras set up. You got attacked twice, though. There's got. Why wouldn't you put up a camera in right. your York pool? Mm-hmm. I guess because you're not looking for humans, you don't see them. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but these are people who make their living by dominating other species. Why wouldn't you try a little harder? Mm. <sighs> Everybody but Tobias won. Mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All of the cliffhangers we've gotten are Tobias related. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is Tobias around? Is he dead? Uh-huh. He disappeared again. Who knows? I bet he's fine. Somehow. I forget why I wrote this note, but I, I think like during the closing narration, Rachel's talking about like fighting and I, and I wrote like, we care, even though you were on the war crime side. <laughs> <laughs> Because I yeah. think she was, like, the one saying, like, yeah, we should, like, hit the controllers with this. Who cares if they get... It wasn't her someone was saying, like, yeah, we should definitely... It's okay. It's okay if we get, like, the humans are saved, but, like, they have York stuck in their head for all time. Yeah. In the book, there was much more of an ethical struggle. Yes. And the only reason they did throw the oatmeal in there was because they were in the York pool and were cornered. Yeah. And it was the only way to escape. Yeah. We also don't find out if anything actually worked. It's true. Like, if the oatmeal did anything. Well, I mean, Edelman, Edelton, Edelston, Edelman, Tom Edelston. Yeah, you're thinking of Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> That's it. He, like, he, you know, had the breakdown, and it did make that one year go crazy. Right, we know that, but we don't know if it was effective in the pool. Mm-hmm. He could have been doing meth. You're right. Yeah. That's we don't know what the cause was. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of unanswered questions. Uh, As is the show's uh, yeah. mo. I guess that yeah. I mean, why, why answer them all when you've got a whole other a second season to plot out? Uh, uh, <sighs> James, mm-hmm. what was the most turtlerific part? <laughs> I think it was that hawk puppet. It's <laughs> a damn good puppet. It's the second time that puppet's <laughs> fallen from a high a height <laughs> in the show. We bought this fallen puppet. We're gonna use it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man they could have that, that that puppet it doesn't look realistic no. to me yeah. to be fair the hawk they have barely looks real the real hawk yeah <laughs> it's just a lousy actor obviously they should have really <laughs> how about you jake what was the most turtlerific part uh i'm gonna go with the blatant use of um of inappropriate imaging uh yeah. as far as mental health goes yeah, that was not great. Yeah. I did not care for that. What about you, Sky? You love turtlerific things. I do love turtlerific things. Um, birthday party at the hamburger house. <laughs> the abandoned, the abandoned birthday party is pretty great. Um, 
I like that uh, V3 got hit in the face with an oatmeal balloon. That's pretty good. That was a good one. A lot of turtlerificness in this episode. Yes. <laughs> well, they 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 kind of tried in some areas and didn't try at all in others. You'll notice none of the turtlerific parts involve um, them morphing and using animals to fight. No. Because that's not a thing that really happens in this show very what did, often. What did they, they morphed cockroaches and Rachel morphed a lion. A lion. And the ferrets. Is that the it? Oh, they morphed the, the ferrets. ferrets. And they morphed something to get into the MHU, and I don't know what it is. Yeah, and, and well, I guess technically, like, Axe morphs humans, but I don't think that really counts. Yeah, that's just going to be his default for a lot of this, because it's less expensive. Yeah. <laughs> it's just easier to film. Ugh. So, uh, who is the most likable character? Uh, I'm actually going to kind of say Andelman, because, like, he's very sympathetic. Yeah. Just, like, he's kind of as a bad deal... He gets reinfested, which I don't think actually happens in the book, and then the episode just kind of forgets about him. So, wow! Like, good job, yeah. Animorphs. Yeah, in the book, he is mysteriously freed by a bear and uh, mm-hmm. goes into hiding. Yeah, I'm gonna say Chip that Yurk who's just doing his job, <laughs> <laughs> just a single mom working at the counter. Yeah, in the back at a at Tom's Burgers. Yeah. Uh, I think you're getting him confused with the waitress, actually. <laughs> yes, nah. guy. He's just a single mom making it happen. Mm-hmm. But it's okay. You can pick the waitress. Mm-hmm. No, I... Or those bobbies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to choose the York scientist. Mm-hmm. Oh, because good. he's doing his best with what he's got. They keep jumping him from project to project, and he's he's doing what he can. I like His name's probably Mortimer. <laughs> I like how none of us chose the main cast. Well, well, they didn't really accomplish anything. They didn't. And their plan was terrible. Mm. And they sided on on a war crime. Yeah. Like, I, everyone was on board with poisoning an entire... <laughs> I think a thousand people, you can count that as a genocide. Yeah, like, the characters felt weirdly interchangeable. Like, they didn't really show any distinct personality. Like, Marco gets a couple one-liners, but it doesn't feel like, you know, she doesn't feel like... Rachel doesn't feel like Rachel, like, you know, the berserker that you get in the books yeah no her defining characteristic is her blonde hair in this. <laughs> yeah, the only one who was kind of accurate was cassie because she was doing farm chores yeah. um also axe didn't know what throw was yes yeah. and he did eat with his hands what i can't believe they if you're gonna have him like eat weird don't do a milkshake like that's that's actually kind of hard to eat weird he like starts scooping yeah. with his like at least give him, like, a burger that he can just, like, start, like, ripping it apart. Smash on his face! Yeah! <laughs> Ugh, boy. Who do you think would win? Yeah. <laughs> Who do you think would win in an eating contest between Rachel as a bear and Axe as a human? Axe as a human, no I mean, question. Ra- okay. Rachel as a... We, this guy, we know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Rachel as a bear would, would you know, be invested, and Axe as a human has no self-control. Mm-hmm. Right, but Rachel as a bear has the capabilities of a bear, but with the brain of a human. She's going to win. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Listen, I'm going to side with bear always, no matter what you say. So <laughs> You're just trying to get in good with the bears. I mean, bear yeah. is usually a good choice, I will admit. After robots, bears are my second biggest fear. <laughs> Robot bears, let's not talk about them. I em. thought birds were your biggest fear. Well, shut up. They're fearless. <laughs> oh, boy. Robot bear birds. So, um... Overall, James, what was your uh, what was your impression of this show? What do you think? Uh, this was a real kind of roller coaster because, as I said, like there were <laughs> like a lot of the parts interacting Ow. with Yorks, the stuff with the and stuff with Chip was kind of good and kind of creepy, and like I can actually kind of see that working. But 
then you have the rest of the episode. <laughs> like the, yeah. it, is, it is so unclear what is happening during the the Yorkpool scene. <laughs> like there's like no well, sense of place. They're just all over the there. Like I yeah, can't tell what's happening. I mean, it certainly didn't they try to just John Woo it up so you'd forget. Yeah, it, it's really hurt by the fact that you just can't, like, like you know, have, like, a bunch of animal battle scenes. You have to, like, whip one <laughs> animal. And again, she's a lion. She doesn't, like, maul Visitor 3 when she has the chance, because obviously you can't do that on a television show. Yeah, <laughs> she could have just grabbed him by the neck and shook until he was dead. Yeah. yeah. Like, man, that would have really ended, like, the war. <laughs> <laughs> right? But then he didn't morph either. Yeah. That's true. So, you know, whatever. Oh boy! Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, thank you very much for uh, for joining us. Okay, okay, there's the whole other part. That you oh yeah, the pop culture palate cleanser. I oh, forgot. You stupid son of a mm-hmm. bitch. So, um, I'm gonna start with Jake. Oh, is it because I was mean to you just now? Yep. What did you? What are you doing for your pop culture palate? Well, cleanser? let me tell you. Um, in approximately three hours, Sky, mm-hmm. I'm gonna go open for Screech. <laughs> I'm gonna. Be the opener for Dustin Diamond in a couple hours, and that's neat. Oh, nice! That is pretty neat. At a comedy show, yeah. you should. Probably oh yeah, that. no, we're um, we You're just opening have doors for him. Mm-hmm. We're gonna duel them. <laughs> but yeah, I'll be doing that this evening. Mm-hmm. Uh, in real life, though, I'm I, I started reading Jurassic Park, and it's really good. <laughs> in real life, he's actually opening for Dustin Diamond, also. Oh yeah, that's actually happening. <laughs> yeah, but he's he's also reading the book. I got you covered, James. Let James go. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, James? Well, because like we've actually gotten summer weather, I went down to uh, my local uh, Cherry Blossom Festival down in D.C. Uh, so depending on, like, some big cities also have them. Like, I know New York has one. And it's really good because you get a bunch of, like, street like festivals, like, serving, like, like Japanese-style food. I got, like, uh, got a lot of good fried stuff. Uh, I'd say specific nice. things, but I don't want to sound like more of a nerd than I already am. <laughs> see and then for uh I, granted i'm talking i would say like i've been doing more reading since i've been doing commuting but improperly it's the most nerdiest thing i've been reading an rpg <laughs> rule book for like tour of eternity <laughs> it's kind of weird like i had some friends who played it and then like back the kickstarter and said hey we want you to run this game so here here's this book and it's pretty interesting <laughs> it's a kind of like weird it's based on like a system from like the late 80s early 90s which has this kind of like it's basically the process like a bunch of alternative realities are invading which allows you to do like a lot of cool like genre mashups you could have like you know you could play like a uh like a like a uh demon hunter like in like the the pulp like egypt world or like then go into like the the russia area which is like kind of like uh doom meets mad max (laughs) so it seems really rad i i I look forward to like getting a chance to run it and it, yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah. But it is not often I just get handed a book and said, "We want you to run this one." I'm like, okay, <laughs> it's kind of flattering, though. Yeah. So, uh, Sky, what's your pop culture uh, pellet cleanser? It's hard to say, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Should have named it something else. But we're, it's we're too late it. now. <laughs> uh, I have uh, mostly been playing Pokemon. I haven't really been doing a lot mm-hmm. else. This week. Hey, sometimes you uh, p- clench your pop culture palette with Pokemon. Yeah. yeah. Just gotta use it to keep all the demons away. Yeah. No, uh, <laughs> I uh, decided I'm going to create a living dex in the National Bank, or not the National Bank, in the uh, Pokemon Bank. Mm-hmm. 
which is just the best feature that anybody came up with for Pokemon yep. since the game came out. Yep, it is so great. Thank you very much for inventing that, whoever did. Yeah, it's literally the first time I was able to complete the full decks because, like, I yes, because normally it happens. I get like eighty percent there and just like I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> but now I can like take all my failed efforts and combine them into one successful effort. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's the best. It's the American way. Uh, um, but uh, I'm also working on some artwork for a friend who is, or uh, he'll be a guest on the show eventually. His name's uh, Matt. Don't know why I, I paused there. Uh, I'm, he asked me to do some artwork for some games he is designing, and he's going to be running at a con- convention. So I have been working on that. Uh, they're pretty boss. Um, one, or they're both superhero themed. So I got to draw a whole bunch of superheroes, which is right in my wheelhouse. So that doesn't sound like you. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been pretty fun. So, James, um, thank you very much for being on our show. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate you coming back. It was a lot of fun having you. Yeah, it was a lot of Why fun. don't you tell us uh, tell us where we can find you on the internet? All the places you okay. is. You can find me on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and a bunch of other systems at Discord underscore Inc. Actually, sometimes there isn't an underscore, depending on the service, but you'll probably you'll probably <laughs> figure it out. Uh, if, you, if you're interested in like listening to uh, Beast War, talk, a podcast talking about Beast Wars, which is also another show from the 90s and tangentially related because of uh, Hasbro making toys for this. I don't think we have time yeah. to talk about now, but like, if you're ever curious about them, look them up. They are terrifying. <laughs> they also played that Beast Wars game in the first episode. True. They did. But yeah, that podcast is the Axelon Archives. I was just going to say there's a little more overlap because uh, our first season, I guess, with uh, TMNT Next Mutation had a, a bunch of voice actors who do voices in uh, Beast Wars. Yeah. Yeah, good old Scott McNeil, who is a uh, bone yep. saw or bone steel. steel. I'm sorry, bone saw is from Spider-Man bone the movie. Steel. <laughs> That's and is also played by Macho Man Randy. Sanders. And I was recently on. Mm-hmm. Yes, you came to talk about Code of Hero, which is a really good episode that does hold up. Yeah. Yes, Guy got to talk about something he likes. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it felt so nice to actually like a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I I like Dudley Do Right. That was. The... <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but I know true. it's bad. You're so excited! <laughs> I really like that movie. It's really good. I know. I was. I always play like the like the George of the Jungle movie, which I don't know if that one holds up. I, I honestly don't think I've seen that one all the way through. Yeah, weirdly, also I mean, Brendan Fraser. Like Brendan Fraser's apparently like kind of like making a career comeback. And like I forget the show that he's on, but I'm just like, good job, Brendan yeah. Fraser. Trusted, trust, trusted. I think so. The Mummy is the best movie ever made. I'm just gonna yeah. say that. ever. Yep. The best part of the mummy, or especially of the mummy returns, is like watching it and like trying to figure out like who's playing, like trying to figure out like the tabletop campaign that is, because it basically <laughs> is. Oh, that would be fun. Mm. You can follow us at uh, failed pop culture with no e at the end. You can email the show at popculturefailure at gmail You can follow me. I am at sandwich surplus under all the main things. <laughs> son of a bitch! I'm at Midwest Love Affair. <laughs> And thank you guys very much for listening. We will have another couple of guests uh, next week. For episode eight, The Alien. Mm. Yeah. Which is, I believe, an X-centric episode. So that'll be fun. Uh, James, thank you once more for uh, coming on. This was a lot of fun having you. Thank you for having me. No problem. And we will see you guys next week. Bye. 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 See ya. Bye, Sky. Later. Okay, I'm done. I quit. It's all in your head It's all in your head